So hello, everyone. I am Mariah Parsons. I'm your host of Learn to Listen. I wanted to take a second to kind of update you all because I've been doing a lot of thinking about this podcast. Luckily, my work is so awesome that it gives me the time um, with a four-day work week to really like reflect and strategize. And I've been getting a lot of momentum around the podcast. So thank you for everyone who's been listening. It is honestly so fun for me just like to kind of... Um, like fill my days and be intentional intentional about talking to people and um, making sure that I'm kind of doing my part to learn to other learn about other people learn about people in my life but also to kind of um, encourage an audience or encourage listeners encourage other people family and friends to do the same so with all that momentum I definitely wanted to take a second to kind of pause and just like update you all about what I've been thinking about because I want to grow and evolve the show with everything that I'm learning about the podcasting world. Um, So I know a little bit, a little while ago, I kind of switched the look and the feel of the podcast a bit. Um, But now I'm going to do that again. And I think there's going to be a lot of iterations. So I hope you'll have patience with me going forward. But I'm going to be giving perhaps more of a reflective episode intros. In the past, I've kind of just been like summarizing what we talk about. And I think I and I want to do this because I really think that there's a ton of things that when I'm listening back to the episode, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have said that. So I'm going to use this intro, maybe even in the outro sometimes to just kind of talk about my reflections um, before or after you know, I listen to the to the podcast and um, in the post-production. I'm also going to start, you know, each episode with one of my favorite clips from the episode. I feel like that's just like something fun to do. Um, it'll also just like be fun to splash those over social, which speaking of that, I am going to be growing more of our social media channels. So Instagram right now, please go follow. It's learn to listen podcast. If you don't already follow, um, subscribe, of course, on your uh, wherever you're listening to this, whatever audio streaming service you use. And then I'm starting to grow out our Facebook, our Twitter, our LinkedIn, our YouTube channels. And it's really fun for me. I've, I've really loved kind of like social media content creation. So, I mean, of course, I would absolutely love if all of you would go follow those channels or even if it's just your favorite one to stay up to date, all things learn to listen. Other than that though, I feel like I'm really flourishing in like my life right now and I want to have why I'm kind of speaking um, and just, you know, anything that comes to mind and why I want to do that is because I feel like I am flourishing in almost every aspect of my life. I mean, of course, there's still things that I'm working on and trying to improve or I'm not happy with, but I'm willing to give myself grace that that is part of the life process but I want um, some of the episodes to really inter- like uh, reflect my internal monologues or thoughts that perhaps don't come up in conversations or like I said wish I would have shared before so with that here's a clip of my favorite part of the episode with Alex Olson this is when I want to settle down and have a family or anything but when you're actually in the process of it it definitely may it changes where your priorities are that's not saying i don't still want to have a, a, a huge impact um but it's also for a different reason like i want my son to see that so that he understands the world in the same way that i do in the same way that um he has gifts that he can give to his community and that his community can benefit and he can make other people better so uh, it's just kind of been a reorientation of 
of what I see as success. So that is a little clip. It'll play. Hopefully you'll, y'all will listen and find out where it is in the whole episode. But I chose this because, I mean, honestly, I'm just so excited for Alex. And now that we're posting this episode a little bit later, his son has been born, a beautiful baby boy. And I chose this clip because I think it's a, such an awesome perspective of just like how you're um, priorities can shift. And I am not in the same life stage that Alex is in right now. But at the same time, I am like age wise, experience wise in the professional world, very similar. But then his personal life right now is just flourishing with all these new, exciting journeys and experiences that he's going to have. So that was my favorite clip of just hearing how like how great of a father he already is because he has done serious reflection about what he wants, what it means to be a father and the impact that you can have on your kids and in your community. So that was my favorite clip. I mean, there's so, 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 so many to choose from. It was so difficult and I had like three lined up, but I ultimately went with this one because I think it's so sweet and so endearing and it really just kind of highlights the person um, that I've gotten to know over, you know, the past couple of months of Alex just being like a stellar person all around, but father, friend, athlete, I mean, worker, leader. So just like everything. Um, and you know, over the episode, we relate over our hometowns, which is just so funny. I mean, that's such a strong part of my identity. So I'll always talk about it. Uh, just like growing up in a small town, knowing a lot of people, um, you know, having a stable, supportive home and environment to grow up in. I mean, I just all till, you know, to my grave, be so thankful for that. Also, what I wanted to touch upon um, is just like we are walking through identity. I mean, there's one part in the episode where Alex kind of like asks me and it was fun. Like, you know, as a host, I feel like I'm usually asking most of the questions, but it was really interesting. And I loved when he kind of asked me if I related to him, like with his identity struggle as a or his with his um, journey of finding himself and understanding all the different parts that make up his identity. And so I thought it was really um, interesting. And I think you can definitely hear me like as he asks me that question, I take my time in thinking through what I want to say and how to process because I definitely wanted to make sure like my thoughts that I was doing them justice in like, yes, I was the emotional roller coaster or the um, emotional development that happens as a kid, like I related to, but um, as far as the reasoning behind I, why I kind of, or how I learned about my identity was, you know, so different. And so I really, I was, I was debating if I should like take out these pauses and, you know, like, of course I get nervous. I'm like, Oh, am I going to sound like, dumb or like I don't know what I'm talking about but I purposely left them in there both as an exercise for me um just listening back to my own voice it's like oh my god but I intentionally left those pauses in there because I wanted to make sure that I was giving the right energy and telling my story in the way that I wanted to be told so I ask that you have patience while I'm kind of like working through all those, um, all those different emotions. And then like, honestly, one of the other great things that stuck out to me on this podcast was just like learning about both of us kind of being nervous to launch a podcast. And I mean, Alex sat on his for a little while and then he, he kind of said like, I just, you know, 
at some point you just have to publish and that's kind of all those emotions that I've been going through recently um since launching my podcast was just like you know what what's so fun about it is it feels like a conversation like when I'm listening to my favorite podcast it feels like a conversation where you don't really have to add anything but it makes you think the same way as if you're right there in that conversation so you don't really need you know a high social battery to be listening to podcasts and so you know it was just fun to hear him kind of talk about like launching his own podcast me relating it brought me back to you know senior year of college when I launched mine um also just fun like spokes folks to hear him ideate why he chose that name so with that please go listen and I hope you enjoy this full episode with Alex Olson remember to follow on social media channels and make sure to subscribe on your listening platform So welcome to Learn to Listen. Today we are joined by Alex and he is the founder and host of his own podcast, Spokes Folks. So thank you, Alex, for being here. We're joined and we met through the Or Fellowship, which is the program that we are both currently in. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to learn more. Um, it's been great getting to know you over the past couple months. So welcome, Alex. Thanks, Mariah. I am so excited to be on here today. So excited. I, it really, when I was waking up this morning, I was like, yes, I finally get to talk to Alex on the podcast. I'm so excited. Um, and first I thought it would be fun to have you give an intro, like where you're from, kind of what brought you to Indianapolis, what you're doing right now. Um, just like your whole life story. Let's dive in. Yeah, I'll do a, a quick little timeline across um, I-70 because that's basically where <laughs> where my life has has gravitated around. I was, um, I was born in Kansas City on the Missouri side. I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. And um, actually, when I was two months old, I was put in the foster care system. So um, was then adopted onto the Kansas side because my, um, my mother was in a homeless shelter on the Kansas side. So um, that's kind of why I moved over to Kansas and was put into the Kansas foster care system. And then basically grew up, born and raised, uh, well, I guess not born, but raised in <laughs> Lenexa, Kansas, right outside of Kansas City, a really great suburb, um, a lot of opportunities, a lot of privileges um, that I don't know if I would have received if I wasn't, um, did not grow up in that area. And then- what, what privileges were those? I'm curious. Just great schools, um, yeah, okay. tremendous schools. The Kansas City, um, the Kansas City actual public schools are they were non-accredited they were unaccredited for several years when we were in high school and middle school so going living in johnson county which there's a lot of jokes about johnson county joko moms and <laughs> and, and stuff like this because it's like very much like just there's a lot of privilege there's a lot of resources there's a lot of nice homes there's a, a, a large tax tax basis for good homes good education a lot of access to um, healthy, clean foods, additional help. If you're not, um, you know, just additional resources like summer schools, summer camps, all those things mm -hmm. that really right. contribute to a positive child development. Uh, there's also a lot of, you know, things that can go along with that, that are, that are difficult. And a lot of those things kind of impact the reason I started my podcast, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, kind of, you know, grew up, went to, went to great public schools all my life and moved over to St. Louis 
um, and for college. So I, I really wanted to go to St. Louis University for really the sole fact that I got into, uh, I was accepted into their Martin Luther King scholarship program going into or in the middle of my senior year. And at that time I was playing, I'd always played basketball and I had a couple um, offers to play basketball. I was talking to a couple of division two schools, but a lot of NAIA schools, which are kind of D3 level, but you can yeah. get like scholarship. So I had, I had multiple offers um, from those size schools and really always knew I'd been to a large high school and knew I wanted to continue going to a large school because I just love meeting people. I was student body president and just knew I wanted to, I wanted more experiences that could expand my understanding and um, just who I knew and, and what my potential was and went to, um, went for MLK day and just was really impressed by the, um, the Jesuit impact that, um, that the university believed they had on, on the community and was just very, um, just knew that's kind of the area I wanted to work in when I got older is just community and empowering other people and giving people resources that don't have them. And so I was just really impressed and went for the interview. One of my older brothers took me to St. Louis um, one weekend. And when I got the call back that I had gotten the scholarship, I called that night, I called all the college coaches that had given me offers and just said, I think I'm going to go be, be going to um, St. Louis University. And um, at that time, I was still up in the air, whether I was going to try and walk on to the to the basketball team there. I had a contact from high school who's his dad actually knew the, the head coach. So was talking about maybe doing a preferred walk-on spot, spot, but I actually did track my senior year to stay in shape during all of that and was ranked second in the state in 6A going into, um, going into state and then hurt my ankle warming up, um, just like rolled it, jumping onto the mat and ended up getting fourth, I believe. So, um, with, within all that, one of my coaches, he actually went to my church. He reached out to the slew coaches without me knowing, and they got back to me, asked me to walk on my freshman year and then broke the school record my first year, uh, my first meet, <laughs> and then um, ended up getting scholarship um, the following year. So it ended up, I ended up, you know, um, getting to compete in division one sports for four years and still in the school record holder and um one conference and yeah it was it was a really fun ride and mm -hmm. now I'm now I'm in Indy I've moved a little bit farther east on <laughs> I-70 and uh yeah it's it's really cool I, I it's very interesting I I studied political science minored in economics and urban poverty studies so I'm really interested in the way that systems build cities and it's very interesting to see the parallels between Kansas City and Indianapolis and how they feel compared to St. Louis. They have a, a similar dynamic in, in the way that they're built. Um, and one of the big reasons for that is just when you think of St. Louis, it's right on the, you have the arch and it's right on the Missouri, uh, Mississippi River. And so there's a lot of growth that occurred out from literally what used to be just like river barges coming to a small fort and it grew out from that, whereas Kansas City and Indianapolis have more of like a, a grid square around the central area. So, right. yeah, a lot of random stuff, but um, really just was interested in um, just community building, social entrepreneurship and um, social justice and 
kind of felt like I could apply some of those things to um, where I go in my career after, but I definitely know that there's some extent that you need to understand business, um, fundraising, nonprofits, just all those things. And that's kind of why I decided to, to join the Or Fellowship and why I'm in Indy now. Right. Wow. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I love that you can create that image of just moving on I-70. That's phenomenal. Uh, and this is too, when you were speaking about your hometown and the privileges that you were raised with, this is why I love talking to people on the podcast. Cause I came from a very similar town where I had, you know, so many opportunities as a kid. Like I could ride my bike to my friend's house. I didn't have to, I wasn't like an inner city. It's a suburb. I knew all the people that I was growing up with. It was super safe. Great, great public school systems. Um, the people I was around, I mean, they just, they pushed me to grow both personally and professionally. It's funny to say when you're younger, but I guess academically at that point. And you know, so I was going in a high school, like a pretty competitive high school with a bunch of athletes, a bunch of high achieving people, like student body presidents, people who are volunteering in the community, like every, every day, um, people from, for the most part, stable homes. And I think it's just so funny how I'm, I'm from New Jersey. And so I think I, I always wonder if, you know, that adolescence and that development and that strength that you have is kind of what led us to a program that speaks to the same, you know, the same merit of just like high achieving individuals who are really going after it, taking upon themselves to be intrinsically motivated. Um, I think that's just, that's really cool and fun to hear you speak to. Yeah. I just, I think there's, there's a lot of truth in that. And um, if you haven't read the book outliers, outliers is a great Mm -hmm. book that that talks about so much of this. So yeah. Shout out Malcolm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As if we know him. Yes. Great book. Um, and two, okay. I'm curious, you're going to have to fill me in a little bit about the MLK scholarship program that was, uh, in, at St. Louis, uh, because I am not familiar with it. So what was it that kind of like drew you to that program? It was really just what the alumni were doing. They were doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see a lot of, of people breaking barriers right now in, in the workforce, whether it's um, women getting into tech or in fields where they haven't traditionally been seen or or um, to take that even a step further, Black women getting into fields or Black men getting into fields where or in industries where the circles don't necessarily traditionally look like that. And I think they brought in a really cool alumni panel. And I think one of one of the biggest things that's always pushed me in my life is looking at people that I want to see myself as in, in the future. There's yeah. There's always a component of it that's like, I need to also create my own path. And I want, I want, hopefully people will look back at me one day and say, you know, um, if I could follow some of the things, the path that Alex Olson took, then I could make a better impact on, on the world and I could, you know, reach whatever you deem as success. And I think there's a, there's a lot of, you know, I guess right now I'm engaged and I'm, I'm expecting my, my first child and, super, super excited. And I think a lot of that also kind of puts things into perspective as far as I think a lot of things I wear a lot of places where I was measuring success prior to was very focused on my career, very focused on, all right, what's the job that's going to have the the coolest sounding name, the most um, professional sounding name? What's the best 
the highest title I can reach. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's much more focused on how do I have a work-life balance where I can be in my family's life? How do I make, how do I balance um, providing for a family with, you know, being a good partner, being a good parent? And I think a lot of those things, they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily, they can be high on somebody's wants, but until it becomes a reality, those things aren't always as high on the thing because you don't have to think about them as much. You know, you, yeah, you sure. think about this is when I want to settle down and have a family or anything. But when you're actually in the process of it, it definitely may, it changes where your priorities are. That's not saying I don't still want to have a, a, a huge impact, um, but it's also for a different reason. Like I want my son to see that so that he understands the world in the same way that I do in the same way that um, he has gifts that he can give to his community and that his community can benefit and he can make other people better. So uh, it's just kind of been a reorientation of, of what I see as success. And um, yeah, it's just been, it's, it's been really exciting and really great to just think about and puzzle over and write about and um, just try to bring into fruition. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so powerful. Just hearing you be introspective about what you want to see and like where you're kind of gauging that success of coming from. And I, I mean, I am not engaged and do not have a child on the way, so I cannot relate directly, but I'm so happy for you. And you of course know this, um, but just like hearing you talk about the impact that you want to have and having that be before you prior you had to prioritize your family. Um, I think that's so cool of just being at such a like ripe age where you can kind of make that pivot in your career and say, I want to be successful, but now success is defined in a different way. I think that's awesome. And like wanting to have an impact on the community so that your son can see that and like be proud. I think that's so special. Yeah. And I think a lot of it to get into more of just my adoption story, I think there's Mm -hmm. so many there's so many systematic cycles that um, affect the black community. And I think having a black son, I want, I want him to have a better experience than I did because there's a lot of places where you can be privileged and still unprivileged and you can experience different things that maybe other people don't. And a lot of the work I really wanted to do was about, um, was really about motivating other people to, just reach their potential regardless Mm -hmm. of those barriers. And that's also why I wanted to create spokes folks is because so many of us have those barriers. We have um, low points in our lives, but that doesn't mean we should stop working. It doesn't mean we should give up. It means we should work harder. Um, And I want to put that on display for my son now, as well as, you know, the kids back in St. Louis that I worked with that didn't think they could go to college. They didn't think they could go, um, to the universities in their own community because they thought it, they were for rich white people. And so I just, it's it's not something you can just say and just tell somebody to um, that it's achievable because it is, you have to, you know, really put in the work. And so that's really what, what motivates me is putting in the work for other people um, to help them, you know, achieve their goals, reach their goals, achieve their dreams um, and make the, a community better. But now it's not just about you know, it's not just about my neighbors. It's also about my own family and um, continually doing that for myself as well. That's so beautifully said. And I'm curious. So 
you had said like I'm privileged from other areas. We already talked about our where we grew up and then not privileged in some areas. And that's an idea that I came into realization actually through Lynn, one of our mutual friends. I know you had her on the podcast, which shout out to Lynn Gary. She's awesome. Um, and you guys kind of chatted a little bit about this and your adoption stories. Um, but she had she had recently shared like just the notion, I guess, that you could be privileged in some aspects and then privileged in and not privileged in others. And I think hearing that, I just want to echo it because I think like it was something that I might've come across, but it didn't really make an impact in my life of how strongly it is. Like I, I do have racial privilege and I do have like economic privilege, but then again, like she kind of helped me guide my own identity in that aspect of, I don't have privilege because I am a woman. And I think that's just something so special. And so hearing you talk about that, I'm curious, like, when did you kind of come to that like realization? Was it kind of recently like me with having these conversations with Lynn and like our DEI team through or, or like through your adoption story and growing up or. Yeah, it was definitely something that I always under I always saw, but I didn't always understand. And I, and I grew into it. I would say probably maybe earlier than some people in my, some of my friends did. And that created some, like, you know, it created moments of tension and conflict when I would try and have a, a difficult conversation that maybe they just didn't understand. Um, so I was the youngest, I'm the youngest adopted of 11. And so um, the Olsons, they had four kids and then they decided we had three boys and one girl and our daughter wants a sister. So they oh. just decided to maybe adopt the sister, but they had a boy next, another boy <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and ended up adopting seven um, young people from the foster care system. Wow. But they fostered over a hundred before my dad passed away. And um within after after he passed away when i was in high school my my mom began to foster again so um it's kind of it was something that was around me like i just kind of always saw people around me and i think um kind of similar to what lynn was saying you you kind of as a kid have this idea of adoption is you know your parents loved you so much that um but they couldn't take care of you so they loved you enough to put you um into give you to a family that could um, you know, care for you. So that was kind of the story you, you get when you're really young, but there's, there's a lot of things that go along with that. And, and Lynn kind of touched on this in her podcast, having, um, being in a, a mixed family of having, um, her, her mom is Asian and her dad is white. So she kind of was able to hang on to some of her culture, but there's a lot of times, um, in, the black community in the two spirit youth community, which is native American, um, young people in the foster care system that they can lose some of that culture um, and that attachment. And so I found myself, even though I was in a great family, I knew love me, I found myself looking around for all the at these, at these black women wondering, are you my mother? Like, because mm-hmm. I, I still knew, like, I always knew I was adopted from a yeah. very young age. And so there was there's always that and not to say that's a that's a huge thing to to have to deal with. But it is definitely something that I know, um, I just have had conversations with other young people that have been through the system and they've had, you know, those similar curiosities as well. Um, so I think that's kind of where it, where it started. Um, as I got older, just though, just being a, I was in, in middle school, I was probably six, two. So mm, being just wow. like a large, <laughs> a large black kid is, it, it can be scary, you know, in, in today's age and 
Um, and so I remember being stopped going back into my high school or my middle school because she didn't, the, the, the officer didn't believe that I was a student. They thought I was looked too old, just like adult, couldn't yeah. have been. Yeah. They thought I was an adult mm-hmm. or a high schooler and I was going back in to get my phone. So she took me to the, the, uh, the office started asking me all these questions. Like, I'm like, I don't, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, so just things where you can still be in a, uh, in a really, um, great school but that was an example of me having a harder time just getting my cell phone because I didn't look like the other kids in the school like I I it wasn't suspected so then the principal comes out and she says hi to me and was in and the in the officer was like I'm so sorry like took me out in the hall took took me back out in the hall and they're like oh who is this like do they go here and I oh yeah it's Alex Olsen he's a great student blah 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 and and so then she takes me back out in the hall and is like, I am so sorry. I really didn't think you were a student. I had a high I had a high school shirt on. So she thought like I was a high schooler and graduated or something. I was like, I look like a my face looks like a kid. But <laughs> that was kind of one of the first times and just um just seeing there's just I mean, yeah, I think we're all kids are kids. So kids right. are gonna say things. And so just mm-hmm. dealing with with some of those those racial um issues going up, I think it can still be an unsafe place um, in an environment that seems like it can be really safe. It can still be hostile for certain people that look different. So right. I would say that's just um, kind of some of it that I dealt with growing up. And another reason why I wanted to like really uh, another thing that influenced my podcast and people getting their stories out and I'm I'm happy to go into some of those stories if you'd like. Yes. But. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to hold you off on that because I have a couple more questions that I'd love to hear you speak to, but I do want to hear about those podcast stories. So keep them in mind. Um, but you, you'd mentioned you you're wanting to connect with black culture. How did you kind of go about reconnecting or do you still find yourself like still trying to make those connections with in Indianapolis with the people you're meeting? Um, I know too, when I'd mentioned, or when I'd listened to your podcast, you had mentioned that you had met your birth mom at 18. So was that kind of like, I guess, was that a pivotal point in growing up where you could reconnect with your culture or was it something different? You know, I think, I think there's something to understand about all through adolescence. We all go through, we all have our own sense of self Mm -hmm. and we, we kind of develop that as we get older. And this, this sounds really cheesy. And I didn't say this in my, um, in my podcast, but I have, I have siblings that are black as well. So I'm not like, my family looks like very, very colorful. And it is, it is a great family to be a part of. I have a sister from the DR. I have a brother who's American Indian. I have another brother who's black. Um, I have a brother who has special needs. So we, we look like more other brothers that are black as well. Um, so just, I have, we have like a really great diversity in our family. Um, and that being said, like I grew up listening to jazz, reading books of kids that looked like me. Um, I think where it almost, where the path kind of diverged is when you get into school, when you get into elementary school. And I actually, I should have worn this shirt, but, um, Aubrey got me a shirt that says, um, black history is more than slavery. And I think when you're when you're younger, when you're in first, second grade, like the only things you really learn about um, African-American history is is the impact of slavery. And so there's there's a lot of 
you, you understand, you kind of get the magnitude of it, but you don't actually hear any names. You maybe hear George Washington Carver. Um, you hear a name or two sprinkled in there, but there's so much black history. There's so much rich culture in history that you just don't get. And so a lot of that was just self-education on my own. I always got a book from Christopher Paul Curtis from my parents growing up, whether it's Watson's Go to Birmingham or But Not Buddy or Elijah Buxton. And I loved those books. I would immerse myself in them because there was a character I could see myself in. And that yeah. was so, so powerful to me. Um, and so I think um, as far as, as far as feeling and knowing I was black, I always knew that. Um, it was just really learning more about, okay, so I've heard, I, I'm now exploring black authors. And as I got older, I kept doing that. But what does it actually look like? What does all this look like in the context of my own family? And where does like my path fit into all this? And so that was really where, what, where the understanding and the, the need and the desire to want to understand came from is just, I'm hearing about all these stories. I'm trying to learn more about it, but where, where does my actual piece fit into this puzzle? Right. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, and so, you know, I played going, playing basketball. I was always, I was always around, like I always had friends that were black. If that, mm -hmm. like, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I knew I was black. I had brothers that were black. Like, so as far as like a cultural thing, I always, I always felt connected to the greater culture, but I wanted to figure out like where, where my actual, what my what my family history was I've always yeah. I've always loved history and was obviously a political science major in in college I actually came in major double majoring in poli sci and sociology and so both of those fields are very much about systems and people and decisions and so it was really easy for me to map that out but as far as um, just growing into myself I think just adolescence you start to notice um, you start to notice you're, you're different than other people. You really start to, to pay attention to those things. And I, I definitely experienced colorism from even other black kids that went to my school that were, you know, mixed kids or kids that were lighter that were, you know, had grown up in this environment where it's like, I got called, I got called dark, dark for a semester, um, sitting in a, in a class and I would get told, Oh, like we can't sit next to you, dark, dark. So just, just things that those, those things hurt. And those oh, things for are, sure, yeah. and those things aren't you know, those things are, are, have been taught to us, like our people for a long time, because it was the lighter you look, the closer you were to being white, the more privilege you got. And right. so those are things that are just, um, unfortunately, a, a, a part of society that if you don't, if you haven't been exposed to it, you don't understand. And so you're, it, it's, it's easy to, to turn a blind eye to it. But even um, I have a good friend of mine who um, who played softball with um, with Aubrey and she she talked about it because she's she's um, biracial and her brothers are darker than her. And so just talking about that and I actually, you know, shout out Sadie would love to have her on the on the, on the <laughs> show as well. So we'll see if if maybe um, if we can get her and if I can get an interview with her as well. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean you know, turning it back on you, Mariah, I mean, have you experienced or seen any of these things? Like, did you experience or notice any of those things as a high schooler or a middle schooler? Because it kind of, it really, it really takes some time to think about and then mm -hmm. witness it and then think about it and kind of, I feel like it was like a development thing for me, yeah. if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. people can't see the gestures I'm making, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like stretching like Play-Doh or something, like something happens and and it kind of grows you and, and informs, you know, the way you view the world or the way you view 
a situation or something. And I think, I think that was though that's like a very key point where um, that kind of accelerated some of my understanding about my racial identity, my ethnicity, a lot of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Like just hearing you speak about that journey. And I would say, as you know, you asked me, like, had I had a similar experience, I think to the emotions that you had, I must, I think I relate to in the sense that trying to find yourself and like where you fit in society, that is such a huge part of adolescence and growing up. And that was definitely something I struggled with, not for a racial reason, but more my self-image, I think, if that makes sense of like, where do I exist to my friends and like, who am I to them? Who do I want to be for? And then again, my family as well, our town in general, just like people in my high school outside of my friend, my direct friend group. And I think that was something that I definitely struggled with because growing up, I did kind of feel like I was like the nice girl next door, like didn't have any issues with anyone really. And I think as I get older and I start to dedicate more time to investigating my own identity and like what parts I think are true to me and what parts I think I learned along the way, I think it's kind of a mix of, I sometimes wanted to like blend into the background and not be noticed so that I wouldn't be like problematic or a burden for anyone and wouldn't feel like I would give a reason to people to like not like me you know because I think that was like something I was so scared of is like being an outcast like when you're young that is the worst thing that you know like your life is falling apart if (laughs) you're put on you're the outsider right and so as I've gotten older and had more discussions about race and identity and ethnicity and sexuality and all of the um, different parts that can play into your identity, I think that's really where I came in. I, I became familiar with my privilege of I didn't have to worry about race growing up and I didn't have to worry about anything that would alienate me just by looking at me. And I think that was something that I had to kind of acknowledge and work through of like, where then, because I didn't struggle for my racial identity, where then I could improve and educate myself. So I kind of took it upon myself to then go to conferences through like the NCAA, the ACC, through athletics and colleges where I became most oriented and familiar with like how to express myself of, yes, I am, I cannot relate to someone who is in a racial minority, but I can support them. And I think it's, of course, like if you are white or you come from privilege, you get nervous about talking about anything that comes in DEI because it is very vulnerable and centric to our identity but that's also kind of why I started the podcast of I wanted to push myself to be vulnerable and have these conversations and like really think about what I wanted to say. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for our listeners. Alex is snapping. Um, but I think that's like, so as you ask if I had similar, uh, I guess like thought processes, I definitely did, but for different reasons, if that makes sense. Totally. But I, I love that. And thank you for being, you know, 
honest and and open and and everything about that. Yeah. And I'm curious too, like I, one question I wanted to ask you who, and please tell me if it is not correct, because I, I don't have any people in my direct friend groups that have gone through foster care, but my notion, at least from like media or just stories I've heard is usually it's one child gets adopted by a family. And I think it's, it's kind of unusual to have like multiple kids adopted into the same family. And I think you said you had seven, correct? That seven siblings that were adopted and then four that um, were not. Is that right? Yeah. So- yeah. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll just go from there. Cause I think um, there is, unfortunately, there is a, I don't want to call it a pandemic, but there is a, um, there is a pattern that happens way too often where siblings are separated. And that can, that can happen for a a lot of different reasons that can happen because um, if um, they know just trigger warning, if, if one, if one child is, is sexually abused, then that child might be taken out of the home, um, taken out of the family. Whereas another another sibling may go to a grandparent's home or a kin, it's, it's called a kin placement. So somebody else in the family, not in the nuclear family. So there, there's a lot of different reasons why that can happen. It can be because a CASA or a judge orders it. It can be just because it can solely be from the fact that one of the kids is, is a baby. And my, I was a baby when I went into the system and it's very, it's like easy to get babies placed because so many people want to adopt a baby. Like I'm two months old when I went into the system, I was adopted when I was two and a half. So, um, it's very easy to, um, people want a baby that they can like hold and mold. And so if, if it's like a younger sibling and an older sibling, it's much harder to, unfortunately there's a hundred and, um, 120 thousand young people who have had their parental rights um, terminated that are just sitting waiting to be adopted that could be adopted and about 20,000 young people that age out of the system each year. So there's a lot of people that a lot of young people, kids, basically teenagers um, that are um, did not find a home and a lot of them um, or do not have a legal stable connection and many of them have siblings that may not have that same experience if they were younger um Mm -hmm. there's a lot i i can think of several you know foster kids that have been at our home that the older one the younger one um one of my younger brothers james he got adopted and his older brother robert didn't get adopted because he was 16 when they were in 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 care and james was five so there's just, there's a lot of, a lot of scenarios where that happens. Um, and that's one thing that they're trying to change is keeping families together. Cause in the same way that, um, you know, studies show that keeping, keeping a child with their kin, whether it's like a grandparent, aunt and uncle, step um, parent, different, um, you know, different parents, it's much, it's much easier. There's less um, it's much easier um, for the kid and form as far as keeping a kid can, child connected with their 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 family, and it's also just you know less less paper like 
less financial stress yeah. on the system. Mm-hmm. What it's not, Legally, sorry, what it's, it's not, yeah. yeah. But what it's not is less, um, there's way less resources, unfortunately, because they, wow. they figure, oh, it's just, they're just keeping with the family. They don't need the same support system as mm-hmm. a foster, um, as a foster parent does, who's taking in a kid that doesn't, um, that is not related to them. So um, there's a lot of, of work and s- systemic change and legal advocacy that's going on to get a lot of those changes get more representation for kin. Um, in my in my case, um, there was never a kin placement that was um, that was thought about because um, my birth they they just didn't have any knowledge of any family members. So it was so like there was never even a, a, a chance for that. And um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Cause I I think from my understanding, at least it is unique, like your situation of having a lot of brothers and sisters who were in foster care. So I wanted to ask that because that was something that came to mind of kind of why is that so unique? So that you just sharing that it sheds a lot of light on it. Yeah. And my siblings that were adopted, I don't have any biological relationship to any of them. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just, it really is just that, um, yeah, people Nath Olson's just wanted to, you know, do their part and mm-hmm. they did it. So great, great people. Yeah. 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 I'd love to meet them someday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to pivot because we've been talking, uh, we've been alluding to our podcast and talking about your podcast a bit. So I thought we could round out uh, the episode with talking about that. I'm curious where one, I have two questions. Um, where did the name of the show come from? And then how did you like actually go about starting it? Um, like when did you kind of decide, was this always something that you wanted to do? Cause it is, it is on the newer side. So I wanted to kind of put you on the spot and shed some light on it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> spokes folks, it, it came to me. I, I love like creating names and mm-hmm. normally when I, when I get a name or something that comes to my mind, I just write it down and run and roll with it. Um, yeah. I, I wrote a, I wrote a speech on Stevie Wonder that I still remember and I'm not going to oh get gosh. into that, but it, <laughs> came it, now. <laughs> to me, it, it came to me in fifth grade. This happened in fifth grade. And I, rem- it just, it just clicked in my mind. I wrote it down on a note card and then won our school's competition for like our great American speeches. So I got to go to a different school with all the kids in the district and, and be like our school's advocate for it or spokesperson, but that doesn't surprise that. me spokesperson. at all. <laughs> great, great transition into the name spokesperson. Mm-hmm. So spokes folks, you know, I, I just really like the, the word of calling people folks. It can be like a really inclusive term for calling people folks, but also, um, it really came from a lot of the times I was the only black kid in the room or the only kid that was adopted in the room. And so I was the spokesperson for, it felt like for all of that conversation, if, if, if there was any topic of slavery as a kid or, um, you know, reading an uncomfortable book where they say the N word, I felt like every eye was on me to like kind of get approval. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of power in that. There is a lot of power in that. Um, but, um, this, I really just wanted to create this to, um, because I think there was a lot of privilege I got in that, you know, I, mm-hmm. I ended up being coming our student body president because I, I think because people respected what I said and, and, and thought I, I had good things to say and, um, looked to me for advice and, um, and I, I brought energy with 
with even those with those difficult things. So I think there was a lot of ways that I learned to um, just lean into it. And I think there's a lot of people that do that, like similar to what you said in your journey for creating your podcast. I think there's a lot of merit in taking things that are uncomfortable and growing from them. And so that's really where the where the idea came from. And I was having a, a uh, conversation with um, actually one of the uh, former leadership team members of of the or fellowship and they were just talking about how difficult it can be to get people um to come speak from diverse backgrounds on certain topics because they're just so um they're like always the person that people want to come speak and so it's just like always trying to get oh this person's a great speaker this person's a great speaker like let's try and book them here let's try and book them here but there's a like probably 10 other people that are trying to get them booked as well to come speak. And so there's kind of like that, um, there's that um, dynamic of always being the person people look to when it comes to a certain topic or subject. Um, and I, then I kind of took that back and I just wanted to help work to eliminate some of that misunderstanding of what people are going through, what they're trying to accomplish and just to be heard. So, I, I mean, in some ways it is a sounding board, but it also, I'm really trying to create a community with it. Um, so I, I got the idea. I had a conversation. And I said, I'm going to make a podcast about this because I can resonate with that. And I created the podcast officially on October 24th mm. of last year. And I sat with my what and why episode record. Like I dropped it two weeks ago. So September or January, January 12th or something, let's just say. So I, I sat on it for probably three months, just not right. having the courage to drop it, thinking, what are people going to think it's dumb? Are people mm -hmm. not going to listen yeah. to it? Is it just, is it, is it going to be worth it? And I really, I really debated, am I just doing this for myself? Is it, is this part of my healing journey um, to just, you know, record these episodes with people, with foster care advocates, with immigrants, with um, artists and musicians and I really thought to myself, like, is this, is this for me to give me some sort of purpose and like where I feel like my, my talents lay, or is this something that I really want to share? And it's been really cool. I've had, I think, um, over a hundred listens in like the first week. So it's been, it's been pretty cool to get some traction and it feels, um, it definitely feels like a victory. And I've gotten so many texts from people who um, love it. And um, are, it's also just creating community from people that are part of the Spokesfolk community. So Mariah, you're a Spokesfolk now, like you're yeah, part of Yeah, oh yeah, community. I'm in the community. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just really cool to like Lynn and Josh connected after listening to each other's episodes. Cause like, they just like loved each other's episodes. So just mm -hmm. creating even that community of hosts of, of people that um, have their, are, are not afraid to share their stories. And, and um, it's been, it's cool. And it's already, it's already gained traction and just, um, I don't know. I, I couldn't have asked for anything better. I couldn't have imagined it going the way it's going. Right. Yeah, no, I, I really relate to that excitement around when you launch a podcast. And I had, um, this is one of my other questions that I wanted to ask. So you read, um, right into it, but like the excitement of like dropping it, but kind of the nerves that go along with having a podcast yeah. and, I, and it's like a imposter syndrome a little bit I'm like who am I like I don't have anything that people want to hear about um so I, I launched my podcast last September um 
And I just remember, like, I was like, I kind of just had to say like, you know what, whatever, like, I'm just doing it. I'm going for it. And I remember like that thrill of just people texting you, like being so supportive and it really means so much. Um, and just like having people be in your community, be in your corner, it feels so great. Uh, so I wanted to share, I'm definitely in your corner and I encourage everything you are doing. I think it's so awesome too, to hear about adoption and have that centric piece that you can then build off of, because I think a lot of people don't know a lot of people who have stories of adoption or being in foster care. And I think it's great. Cause even when I was listening, I was like, I haven't dedicated the time to like researching and investigating like all the different laws and the like legal side of it, but just the knowledge, um, about the like adoption system. So it's been great just like from, oh, education and like well-rounded standpoint. And then also just getting to know you and other people, um, and about their stories. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And getting to have your story on is, is also great. Like <laughs> this will be, this, this show will be dropping on, on Mariah as well as my, <laughs> as well as my, um, mm-hmm. my show. So it's, it's really cool to kind of, you know, do this together and be interviewed instead of doing the interviewing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, it's been a really fun journey so far and I'm excited for, I have a lot of people lined up and I actually have two, I have, that this is probably unprofessional, but I have, I have other, um, I have a couple of shows I've recorded that I just haven't, um, dropped yet. So I'm mm-hmm. very excited to, to have some more people, um, some more episodes dropping pretty soon. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's not for unprofessional at all. Um, it's smart. <laughs> um, no, I would say the same thing It's you record them beforehand. Um, and I also just want to put it in there too. Like the ungen, I, you said like the inclusivity of using folks as a term. I love yeah. that. And I appreciate that. Of just like it having the, un, it's ungendered and welcoming. I think yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. And it's just kind of cool. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, what's up folks. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. I start, I start my, my podcast off kind of with like a jazzy beat. It's like, mm-hmm. what's up folks. Cause yeah. I really want, I really want it to just be like a place where somebody feels like they're sitting next to me at a coffee shop. I right. just want that, that level of, to, to be able to touch people at that level, I think is something that podcasts do that I love. I think there's a lot of, there's, you know, there's a lot of entertainment that comes from that. There's a lot of learning that comes from it as well. And so the, the crossroads of those two things are, are, are my, my favorite part about podcasts. That's so intentional. I love like that, like the jazzy feel, the music, everything behind that. Um, it's, it's great. And this has been so much fun. Thank you again for making the time out of your schedule to come and chat and learn more about me. Tell me more about your story. It's been phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you all for listening and dedicating some time to listen to these conversations and being an external part of them. I really hope that with each episode, maybe you can take away some new perspectives or ways to reflect on how what we talked about pertain to your own life, your own experiences, and your own goals. Be sure to follow Learn to Listen on your favorite social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. Also, please, 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 it would help me out so, so, so much if you could subscribe to the show on whatever platform that you're listening to Learn to Listen on.